Welcome to the podcast, Your Future in Sales and Marketing, the podcast that helps you make great career decisions. My name is Mike Dixon, and I'm a professional sales and marketing recruiter. I love what I do, but my biggest frustration is seeing too many people not realizing their career potential. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to my network, an amazing group of business leaders from the biggest tier one organizations through to some super fast growth SMEs. They'll share their career journeys and give unique advice and insights on managing your career and leading a function and a business. Join me, Mike Dixon of AXR Recruitment and Search to help guide your future in sales and marketing. Welcome to the first ever AXR debate where we're gonna find out who really does run the business. My name is Mike Dixon, Director of AXR Recruitment and Search. For those of you who haven't met me, we've got a bunch of our team here tonight. And uh, host of the podcast, uh, for those of you podcast listeners, called Your Future in Sales and Marketing. Now, we are recording four podcasts tonight, so we'll land as an episode in a couple of weeks. So uh, don't be shy, ask a question, and get yourself on Spotify. This is the debate format. I'll take you through what's going to happen before I introduce you to our amazing leaders here tonight. We're going to have an essentially opening statement. So we're going to hear from each leader about why they think they run the business. There's no coincidence we've got finance, we've got sales, we've got marketing, we've got category here. Those are the four functions that we at AXR recruit for and consider ourselves, you know, have certainly a vested interest in. And I'd argue that we have passionate debates most days about which function we think is the best in a business and which really does run it. So we have our informed views on this. We think we know how it's going to go. Uh, we all have our opinions, but we don't really know how it's going to go. So we shall see how it lands. Our panel is going to present three minutes uh, of an opening statement, effectively saying, hey, this is why I think my function runs a business. We're then going to open it up into questions. So I want you guys to have views, challenges, rebuttals. Nothing's too curly. I think these guys are super smart. They are acting on their feet. They're very creative. And they're also trained to ask a question back. So just be wary, but uh, you might get into debate yourself. That's all right. Let's get into this and I'll introduce to you guys to our panelists. I'm going to start with sales just because it's our venue and drinks partner tonight, uh, Katie Steele from Campari. Katie, thank you for putting us on. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Katie is commercial sales director at Campari and brings deep sales and broad commercial expertise from her role once here at Campari, but also previously she was sales director at Dyson, head of merchandising for beer at Dan Murphy's, uh, category and shopper leadership roles at Diageo, and uh, spent her early career in marketing category and media at the UK retailer Asda. So great background. I'm really looking forward to answering your questions and hearing your point of view, Katie. Talking of category, I'm delighted to introduce Cherie uh, Juchao, who is category and trademarking director at Ferrero. Whilst here tonight as an expert in category, Cherie is an exceptional marketing background. So uh, Derek, watch out. She knows your space very well. <laughs> Developed her fundamentals at Unilever adding career experiences at Goodman Field or Arnott's before moving to PepsiCo, uh, where she finished leading category as commercial strategy director there, developed her sweet tooth as director of marketing at Stuart Alexander, director of marketing category there, and has enhanced that sweet tooth subsequently at Ferrero. So now we have uh, future leaders and leaders here from Lint and Ferrero, so um, <laughs> play fair, people. Okay. <laughs> Representing finance is James Gregory. Now, James is a CFO with a wealth of experience. Welcome, James. 
currently part of the Leaders in Demand organization where he supports CFOs in a range of businesses working through transformation. He's a mentor with the Financial Executives Institute of Australia and has held a whole bunch of CFO and NED roles in the UK and in Australia in tech, media, advisory, hospitality and the consumer sector from organizations as far apart as Ella Bache through to the Jimmy Oliver Group and Avalon Entertainment. Some great experience to draw upon. The last and by no means least is our marketing lead tonight, Derek Oliver, uh, who's a CMO who's recently turned CEO and is uh, tonight's uh, beauty sponsor. He is the CEO of uh, Vanessa Megan Naturceuticals. You have um, products on your chair. Um, welcome to use uh, Derek and uh, Vanessa themselves here tonight. So any questions, these are the guys to ask. Now, in terms of Derek's background, his marketing expertise started at Procter & Gamble, and so um, other side of the room, I guess, from Unilever, uh, Cherie, but, uh, um, which took him to the UK in terms of his career. He added Coty, uh, Diageo to his career portfolio before moving back to Australia and along a successful tenure with Pernod Ricard, finishing as a global marketing director for Jacobs Creek. Now, he then was uh, ANZ marketing director at Blackmore's and moving into general management with BWX and uh, Vanessa Megan. So welcome to our panel of experts. In no particular order, but we'll start with you, Shri, because you're on my left. Could we have your opening statement, please? Having done 20 years in this business, starting in marketing and moving into category, it actually hurts my heart to think about creating a divisive debate about who runs the business, because actually my whole philosophy is about, especially in category, bringing the business together around an integrated agenda. And I also thought about throwing shade at the other functions, since I know them all quite well, and I know what you're all thinking. You know, marketing's the colouring in department, and sales are cowboys, and finance are bean counties. So we'll just get that out of the way. Um, and then actually, I'll go back to what I really believe, is that we'll make a case for why category does and should run the business. And there's two key reasons around that for me. The first is data and insight. We are the owners and the subject matter experts on data and insight in category. And that is more and more important, even in this post-truth world, that someone is looking after the facts, the data, the insight, sourcing it and synthesizing it and editing it and making it actionable insights that we can do things with, turning it into strategy and guiding then decisions both internally and externally with our customers. That's the first thing I think super important and what we do best. And the second thing to sort of link to that, it's about the triple win. And hopefully most of you are familiar with the concept of the triple win, which in FMCG, very important. I'm sure also in liquor and other businesses where in this market, particularly you can only win, you can only be successful as a business if you're creating value with your shoppers and consumers, the people who are buying and consuming your product with your retailer. And then also for your business itself. And it's a triangle or actually sort of a Venn diagram of trying to create that triple win where that value is in the middle. And category, again, I think is best place to do that. That's the mission and the mantra of our team at Ferrero and other businesses I've been in. We're best suited to doing that, to constantly balancing and thinking and challenging others to think about whether we're creating the most value for the shopper and the consumer to know them well and to make sure they're ultimately going to want to ask for and then purchase your product for the retailer because you ain't getting through that. If you don't get through that gate with the retailer, no one's going to be able to buy anything. And then, of course, for you as the business as well, are you doing this in a way where you can make some money and be successful as a business as well? That's most of it. Underpinning that's a bunch of stuff around what category needs to do well, which is storytelling and influencing and relationships, being able to present well, all of those things, both internally and externally. But really the champions of data and insight and the champion of the triple win philosophy is the biggest reason why we can and do run the business. Powerful start, Cherie. Derek, what have you got? Like Cherie, I'll start with a, a bit of a sort of pat on the back for all the different functions and a bit of a political correct. Uh, statement, but you know, I, I generally do believe that you know all functions operating effectively uh, is integral to a high-performing business. HR or people in culture, 
you need great talent, you need a great culture. Every business must want that. Finance, you know, cash is king. So you can't really do much uh, if you don't have cash. Operations, you know, if your operations aren't functioning or working well, then the business will collapse. And sales and category, you know, you need someone to transact the, uh, the, the revenue. So for me, no matter what business you're in, there's, there's one thing that is critical to all businesses and that's consumer or customers, depending on which uh, business you're in or which category. So, so consumers. And to me, the main function of marketing in any business is to actively recruit, engage and convert those consumers. Any good business with a strong growth plan or a growth ambition should have consumers at its heart. And, you know, identifying and understanding consumers is very much a function of marketing. So that's why I'm a big believer marketing is the engine of any business that wants to move forward. And I also do generally believe that we need to have more marketers as MDs and CEOs of businesses because they're the businesses that are really putting consumers at the heart of the business. A high-performing business that wants to move forward for me uh, has marketing running that business in that direction. That's kind of my angle. Thanks, Derek. That's the marketing perspective. Uh, Katie, let's hear about sales. Nice. So when Mike gave the briefing, he was quite clear with us to just talk about our function. So I think they're being very nice. There's always going to be, <laughs> always going to be end to end in terms of how you work to deliver the best outcomes and culture for the business. I was telling my boss about the event. He's the MD. And he said, well, let's face it, the MD actually runs the business. But if you all want to think that you are a big contributor, <laughs> that's fine. He's in the boardroom behind me. So I probably need to watch what I say. Hands up, who in business has been told we are making too much money? We need the sales team to just slow down and stop selling. <laughs> no, doesn't happen, does it? Um, so that's kind of my biggest point. The other thing is kind of being in sales, it's pretty busy. I know that Cherie thinks we're cowboys, but you never actually get <laughs> off that hamster wheel. Ooh. So I, um, <laughs> I asked ChatGPT for why sales are the most important function in the business. And actually, I'm very impressed with what it came back with. So I'm going to use this, but I have said that this is from ChatGPT, not my mouth. So they claim that is the best function in terms of showing how high performance culture shows up on a day to day basis in action, says that it's where strategy gets executed and it's the biggest conduit between customer and consumer to actually make things happen. The sales team is the most adaptable, agile and resilient team in the business, just based on what they face on a day to day, month to month and year to year basis. And also their ability to influence both internal business to get the outcomes that they need and then translate that externally sets them apart from any other function in the business. But underpinning all of that, you have no business unless you make money. So yes, finance can dip in and find some balance sheet discounts and kind of release some money. But at the end of the day, if you're not selling product and generating gross margin, which is the primary purpose of the sales team, you actually don't have a business. Thanks, Katie. And thanks, ChatGPT. <laughs> 100%. James, you've been, you've been kind of, uh, you're going last, which means everyone's had a crack at you so mm. far. <laughs> but uh, you have the, the, the right response. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, first, thank you. Thank you for having me on the panel and uh, thank you for inviting me to uh, talk on behalf of the finance department. By way of background, a bit of an extension to the background that Mike's already given you. I uh, grew up in a place called Derbyshire in the middle of England and then spent most of my adult life in London uh, before moving to Australia, to Sydney five years ago. Look back at London. One of the things I loved there was the slang. In the East End of London, particularly, the slang word for money is peas. Anybody watch Top Boy on Netflix? Yeah, so you know this. It's all about the peas in it. 
It's not the beans, it's the peas. <laughs> Money is the lifeblood of business. It's crucial. Whatever you do, it enables the business to start up. I've worked in startup areas. You've got to have enough funding. You've got to pay people. You've got to pay your suppliers. It's the lifeblood of what we do. I've worked in lots of different businesses, might talk to you about where I've worked. And common theme I find too often is that people don't look after the money properly. And if you don't, then that can be uh, obviously very damaging to the business. It's frightening how often this, this is the case. I think if we focus in on, on the money, that's where we've got to go. I think finance, if we're stuck at the end of the corridor, then we're not really doing the full job. What we have to do is work with all the other departments. We have to get out there and work with the sales guys, the marketing guys, categorize, HR, everybody. And that's where we work best. So actually, I think I'm going to try and extend my definition of the P's. I think if we do planning properly, we make sure that the right resources are in the right place at the right time, that we use data-driven analysis, we uh, analyze risk properly. That helps the business. I think it's true. We need to work with the HR department. It's about people. Uh, we have to make sure we have the right people and they're properly motivated and rewarded. It's about purpose. You know, We've got to make sure that the business has a purpose and, and we're all aligned with that. It's about processes. It's the last thing I think I want to talk about is propriety. So this is making sure that the, there's adequate corporate governance in the business, that we are doing the right thing. We are paying the tax man at the right time. We are ethically responsible and follow ESG uh, guidelines, et cetera. So it's about uh, how finance enables that propriety in the business. I think finance, working with all the other departments and focusing in these areas, it can provide a, a, a real balance, an equilibrium with the business. It's balancing, yeah, there's got to be passion. There's got to be passion from the entrepreneur or the visionary CEO, but it's got to balance those practicalities with that passion. And so that's the finance team's job to do that, balancing uh, and providing that equilibrium. I hope you'll vote in favour of the finance team. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early. <laughs> Don't forget, it's all about the peas, isn't it? <laughs> Very good. Well, as you've heard our opening statements, did I mention to you there's a form of a lucky door prize? So I'll assess through the evening who asks the best question and that person will get a special prize courtesy again of our drinks sponsor and event sponsor from the night Campari so don't be shy get yourself on Spotify and we're going to vote at the end as I said there is a lovely prize for the winner um, to be paraded in whatever boardroom uh, is befitting over to you guys what would you like to know and who would you like to ask and what would you like to ask them Hi, I'm Donna, currently working for Integria Healthcare. I've worked in both marketing and category myself, and I guess I have quite a strong view on who, which function runs the business can depend a lot on who the leader is of that function. I'll throw it to all of you, whoever wants to talk first, maybe the gentleman who unfortunately got to speak last, maybe you start, um, what your thoughts are on that question. And if you think it does change on who, which function runs the business, depending on who the leader is of that function. What makes a good leader or how important is a good leader? How important is the leader to whether which function, whoever the function is, driving that function being the leader of that business? So yes, it's definitely linked to the leader, but do you think as a result of the leader, it could change which function drives the business? Yeah, I think, uh, look, it, th that's definitely true. Uh, leadership is very important uh, in terms of providing guidance to the whole company, but to each department as well, if you're talking about a leader of a department. And I think about a finance leader, you can have a very introverted finance leader, 
And they do have that sense of being stuck down the end of a corridor, as I talked about before. In my view, if you're able to take the finance department out into the other departments and work closely with them, then you're providing much more of a balanced approach to finance and providing better leadership, I think, to the team within your department. The nuance I, I, I heard in that question, Donna, was does the sort of person leading the business, the CEO or the MD, um, depending on the character and potential experience of that individual, does that overly influence one function's importance over another? What experience have you guys had of that? Katie, do you have a view? I didn't ask ChatGPT for this question. <laughs> but um, I think there's a stat that around 50 to 60% of MDs are from a commercial background. So I think you have a natural bias there towards more of a commercial take on the business. And that isn't necessarily to say that it's the right approach but if you think about, if you have a kind of good, solid sales director, the attributes that they bring is quite action driven. It's not passive. And if you think about what a business needs, it's around how do you read the business and how do you read the landscape to be able to influence a better business outcome? Normally that's through commercials if you're in sales. But I think that that's why you find so many MDs are more commercial than not. But also I recognize what the panel have said around maybe we need more diversity to kind of shake that up. But I think that inherently that is a bias that exists. Again, going back to sales, I think it depends because you also in the function generally have the more the highest number of people. So therefore your ability to really build teams, really build culture, build purpose and get the team working towards something actually sets you up for good stead to take on a more senior role within the business. But also, likewise, I think you've all probably seen in business pretty terrible sales directors. And the reasons why they've not worked is because they don't operate across the business in partnership with the rest of the leadership team to actually deliver against what the business needs. Or they're not, you know, really working to build indispensable customer partnerships as well. So I think it's a really good question, but there's a lot in what you've asked there. Great. Do we have any alternative views from the panel? Is that because uh, Katie's made a fair pitch for sales there, I reckon? <laughs> I, no, what I would say to that is I tend to agree with Katie and build off what, that point around bias. I think executive teams are really important, right? Because depending on the CEO or the MD, you generally get biased depending on the function that they've come through or the relationships that they have with other members of the executive team. And again, I, I got to be careful of making generalizations and so forth. But, you know, there's two parts to sort of build off what Katie was saying. They come from a certain function, then other functions on that executive team can have their voice lost or, you know, or, or a slight imbalance or whatever you might want to call it. I think the sales one is a good example where, you know, again, generalization, completely understand that, you know, with sales being quite a common MD or CEO and then sales direct in a relationship they might have as a marketer, I would tend to a bit of a generalization, but there's sometimes a tendency in terms of that bias to that relationship for short-term objectives. Whereas marketers, as a strategic marketer, you know, and I've um, experienced this going, okay, well, hold on, brand and long-term consumer objectives, you know, anyone working marketing go, hey, sometimes it takes a certain period of time to build the brand or a consumer base or whatever that, you know, if you've got set objectives and KPIs that are very short term, then it's very easy for a commercial sales team to be able to convert or turn those on. So that's probably one part. I think, you know, I look at someone like Sherry and her background, uh, you know, coming back to the whole marketing category piece, you know, from a from a people development and career sort of progression, you know, it's always a good thing to step out of marketing and go into category or category into marketing because I think it gives you that perspective 
of, you know, and a lot of businesses category might point to marketing or, or whatever it might be. But I think having that understanding um, is really important to, to equip yourself to be a better leader. Great. Feels like we're talking potentially about some, you know, tension, healthy or otherwise between sales and marketing. It's not a bad thing. Let's move the debate on. Do we have any other perspectives, questions, views or rebuttals? Hi, I'm Ruby. I'm from Arnott's. Um, so something that James touched on is that people that work in the finance function are sometimes quite introverted. And that's a personality type that does swing towards finance. So um, my question is, do you think that there are personality types, introverted or extroverted, that come with certain functions? And if so, do you think that kind of swings towards whether they would make a good leader or that they kind of run the business a little bit more than maybe other functions? Great question. Sherry, what do you think? Yeah, I think yes is the first answer. There definitely are certain personality types that are more likely to be in certain functions, extroverts in sales, extroverts in marketing, introverts in finance. Category is really interesting because often there could be a mix of both more likely. You get your more data nerd kind of types, can speak plainly, and then you also get ones that are, uh, are more commercial creative maybe have come from sales or come from marketing as well. So I think we are one of the functions and that we are strengthened by the fact that there can be more diverse personality types that can equally thrive in that function. You do then have to watch out that you're not becoming too monoculture in certain functions, finance, marketing, sales, again, because I think that can be only the loudest, not necessarily the smartest people kind of have their voices heard. And that's a risk. Again, category, I think we often work hard to make sure if you're using your data and your facts and your insight well, that's going to get you more of a seat at the table and more of a voice. But you do need to build that to be successful in category. You are actually going to need to also build in other skills about how you influence, present, infiltrate, you know, the seat at the table, build credibility with the retailer, et cetera. And then that that knowledge and that presentation of data and insight will still only get you so far. You're still going to need relationships. You're still going to need some personal power to get your voice heard. So yeah, I think definitely there's more monoculture often in some functions, category less so. And for any of us, the strength is in building out not a different personality at all. I think most of us would want to advocate for being your authentic self, but just looking at those different skills and those different things you can bring out to make sure you can achieve what you need to achieve um, is really important to be more successful. These are great answers, but they're so subtly nuanced towards their own functions, aren't they? It's great. (laughs) Uh, Another question. I'm Andy Smith. I work for Kimberly Clark and I'm very biased because I do work in sales. I'm a Woolies national account manager. I'm actually here with my direct counterparts from category and marketing. So they'll be pretty upset about my question. My question is around, especially in Australia, where there's really two major retailers and in some categories, maybe three, depending on chemist warehouse, where I play in, which is paper goods, it's really just Coles and Woolies. And so therefore, this is mainly for category and marketing. I believe sales is incredibly important because if we don't gain ranging distribution, win at shelf, all those fundamentals in Woolworths, we basically can't really win with our plans, no matter how great they might be from yourself. So what is your response to that in terms of being more important than sales in a market like Australia? Stiff challenge. He's acting on my behalf. (laughs) I mean, you're right, of course. We've all sort of tried to acknowledge that if each of us didn't do our jobs, you're not going to get through the gates to kind of get to the ultimate sale. But I'm pretty sure most salespeople are not going to get the ranging and the distribution, especially those specific examples you gave, without having some pretty robust data insight. And ideally, not just data insight, we're talking now about 
how are you, Mr. or Mrs. Retailer, going to grow your category? Where is that story? Where is the vision? What is the behavior change you need your shoppers to actually exhibit to get you there? How can our brands or products then play a role in that? You need all of that to do that well. And a a salesperson, again, lots of salespeople these days are data savvy and they're able to, you know, interpret and, and talk to these things as well. I'm not trying to downplay that, but actually building that story and making sure you can do it once and do it again and build a joint business plan or a relationship that means you're kind of easing the next product and the next distribution ask and again and again comes from having that more strategic and that bigger picture view with the data and the insight and the storytelling. Because a salesperson, I think, can do that once or twice and, you know, negotiate in and build their relationship and all the the rest of it. But if you want the bigger kind of prize, I suppose, of having enduring results that helps them grow the category, win-win, all the rest of it, I think that's where you need category in this case. Of course, marketing as well to make sure you've got the fuel there. But in this case, category to to really pull that together and make sure you can do it repeatedly and, and for the longer term. Back at you, Andy. All right. I still like working with my team. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. My question's for Derek. Um, so, Derek, you've proven that uh, CMO can move successfully to a CEO. My question is, what skills have you bought um, from your marketing background to that CEO position? Great question, actually. I can wear a t-shirt to work. So that's, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, it's always, I can always tell the marketers in the room where the cool cats can wear a t-shirt around and get away with it. Um, and the salespeople just shake their heads. Uh, you can't turn up in a t-shirt to a Woolies meeting, can you? Um, but no, oh, look, I, um, I actually got a little a lot of passion for this area. I don't ever think across my sort of 20 years at P&G, Diageo, Pernarica, like the companies that I've been spent a long time with, I've never had a CEO that actually wasn't a finance or sales background. I'm pretty passionate about it. I think not all marketers because, yeah, there are some marketers that are they use you know, crayons to color in stuff. But I think, you know, particularly a lot of the organizations in this room, you've got marketers that are pretty well trained and are pretty strategic. And I think it depends on sort of personality attributes as well. But I think a marketer that's gotten a lot of empathy, a lot of understanding, a lot of leadership qualities in general that can sort of exit at, you know, understand category, understand sales, whether they've had experience in that area, as well as having a strategic mindset. Because I do, I do believe that uh, marketing people generally are more open to taking risks and coming up with new ideas to drive the brand and consumer forward. And I think once you've got a strategic market who's got a good appreciation for finance, hopefully he's got some financial acumen, understands that they don't have the capabilities of the category or sales team and that they really rely on those. I think if you take some of those skills and experience with you, then I think being able to transition from a CMO to a CEO is, is capable. And, and I know a lot of marketers out there probably who don't get given the opportunity because of the function that they come in, some bias there uh, through the networks. They don't have that network with the, the existing CEO or the board because they see marketing as a cost center and it's the first budget to cut rather than the true value of marketing. So, yeah. So, I mean, in summary, I think, you know, if you can take a strategic approach, take some experience and empathy for finance sales and category, but don't lose the fact that marketing is really, you know, the driver of the business in terms of brand and consumer. I think they're the things that, you know, you really want to bring across. Thanks, Derek. Does that answer your question? Do you have a follow-up? Perfect. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Craig from SC Johnson. Uh, I've got a really simple question, but for me, it's a really important question. Can each of you let me know which function do you believe has the most fun? Do we start with finance, James? <laughs> <laughs> it's the keys, isn't it, right? <laughs> I was um, having a conversation this morning with a friend 
and uh, telling him I was going to do this. And he said, ah, what you got to do is tell everyone that CFO stands for Chief Fun Officer. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, nah, I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, but we pay for the party. So, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Good, good answer, Kitty. Look, I'm pretty biased because I've recently moved back into the liquor industry in sales. And what I'd say is marketing create the events, but you'll mainly see salespeople there having fun. <laughs> okay. They, they are the party. Yeah. Uh, Derek? Uh, well, I definitely won't say finance. I think you can absolutely rule that one out. Um, um, uh, I didn't convince you then. Yeah, no. Um, I worked in drinks for 13 years, so you got to be careful of what I'm saying. But uh, it was funny because finance, our CFO used to always complain about my uh, my expenses on the credit card. But um, I say the uh, responsible fund is marketing and the irresponsible fund is sales. So, uh, <laughs> wow. All right. And we're, we're, how does categorize that? Uh, well, I was going to say, probably I would say sales have the most fun because they're normally the ones with the biggest credit card expense ability to spend it and that that's pretty equivalent. But uh, you'll always see some category dark horses there and a couple in the room that I know will be there right with the salespeople. But on whole, I will concede that one to I reckon it's probably sales. You guys have got to come to a recruitment party, I tell you. <laughs> Great question. Thanks. Hi, I'm Fraser from Ferrero. Um, with respect, guys, I, I don't think any of your four functions will run the businesses of the future. I think Katie's brought a brilliant example this evening that artificial intelligence is going to run the business of the future. So what's your perspective on that? Influences everything, you know, just want to get your thoughts on it. Katie, do you want to respond first, given you brought up ChatGPT? <laughs> I think that AI will be an enabler. I'm not sure how they're going to run the company though. I think they can give you some really good insights and they can drive a lot of efficiency around how you do things. But I would hate to see the day where an MD's a robot or a computer that you're just asking questions to on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> do we have any views about um, AI running a business or the influence it might have in terms of leadership? What do you think, Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm definitely not an expert on the subject. I should put that out there. You know, I think definitely in terms of how we generate insights and how we, you know, bring bring data to the fore and, and especially big data and, and all of that, I think it's, it's going to have a massive impact. I think a lot of roles will become redundant, but I think overall you'll still need that that human touch and that human influence to your, to your point, Katie, for the sort of leadership and, and you know, really galvanizing your, your troops and, you know, in sort of empowering people behind a vision. And probably more so sales are safe because they've got to build human relationships with customers. Another point for sales, guys. It's uh, relentless, isn't it? But uh, um, a question. Can I just one comment before the next one? Because it's reminding me of a the big green retailer that we deal with quite often actually sat there, a senior person, and told us that they're in the process of moving all of their range of views and their data to being basically automated. So the computer will tell them what they should delete, what they should range, what they should increase, whatever, whatever. And with a straight face saying that's the way it's moving and now the buyers will turn into account managers basically and relationship managers. So that's Woolworths obviously saying that and thinking that. This is probably a year ago now that I think about it that he said it and I don't see any change since then in how they're doing things and I don't see that ever being the case where they can literally just take whatever the computer says as the answer 
And one of the big reasons, I think, is because that can only work on what's already happened, that all that data is based on the past, everything that's pumping into it, whereas, yes, marketing and definitely category when it comes to setting the vision for the category and sales are looking at what else the future could be, which can be bigger and better than what any computer can spit out from the past. So, that's what I would add in terms of the, the future of it, a little spin on the question, but I think we're safe for a little while yet. Very good point. Another one for category. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, the, to the front here. Uh, I'm Diogo from Lint. First of all, thanks for your opening statements. You pretty much convinced me that you will run your businesses, which is good. <laughs> what do you think that could happen with your own businesses if you had exactly the same roles, but exclusively with other teams' objectives and KPIs and not yours? For example, marketing just with profit, finance just with sales, and sales just with something else. <laughs> Okay, let you get your head around that. That's interesting. That's a great question. Who, who's got that? Who's understood the question and would like to have a crack at it? <laughs> I reckon finance. No, <laughs> James, you want to so, move So you're going to put the finance team in charge of sales. Is that what we're going to do? Uh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Top line sales and probably, I don't know, uh, marketing with a bottom line uh, profit or... Yeah, that's okay. that's on you. Uh, just pick your Which own KPI. Pick, pick your function, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, um, I'll, I'll go back in history here. And I, I worked in a business which I won't mention, uh, but it was in the UK, where basically the, the direction was anybody can do whatever they want. Let's unleash potential by letting anybody define whatever their role is. It's just not. It doesn't have to stick with what they do in their department, what the job description says, or anything. Great in theory, but led to complete chaos, complete loss of control. So I think uh, I think we we'll st stick with the the skill sets. I think we, we might be able to r play your role just with one objective that is market share, for example. In your case, in finance, I think um, as I said, as a, as a finance guy, it's important for us to tune into what, um, what 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 the other departments need to achieve, their challenges. And if we sit around a table and say, right, the target is market share and we're all across what that means and what the risks are, what the what the implications are, then we all go, yeah, as a team, we're going market share. Then that's that's what we do. So finance has to provide the analysis, the data, the the risk analysis. But if we're all going, this is what we want to do, we're in. What an awesome question. Marketing with not market share, but let's say uh, gross profit or something. Please no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, look at, you know, uh, if I look at sales and finance, I'd, I'd actually probably have a different answer for both. You know, when I, when I worked at uh, marketing at Pernod Ricard, you always have the age-old debate of the last thing we would ever want is to be on holidays with Woolies or Coles. So it's like, well, kind of, we need to agree to their trading terms, which as a human being, if they were my set objectives and KPIs, I'd probably do exactly what the sales team planning you know i'm not going to question long-term brand equity and you know it's going to devalue the brand and blah 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 blah. all that marketing because if they're my set kpis and i'm in that function i absolutely understand why they're making those decisions having said that as a marketer if i was in finance having probably some of the experience i do i i tend to find that marketing is a first budget line cut and that wouldn't necessarily be my go-to now i think understand that you need to hit certain gross profit margins or or gross targets or total targets, you know, I think there are other areas that you should cut rather than marketing. Because, you know, for me, if you get your marketing spend efficient, the ratio of that return is far greater than some of the expenses that you might have across other parts of the P&L. So 
depends on your CFO at the time, of course. But you know, if they if their tendency was to cut marketing first and foremost, I'd be like disagree with that. But with sales, I probably agree with most things that sales do, and particularly in a market like Australia. I think he's playing for votes here, but good point. Uh, good point. One more question from the audience before we go to closing statements. Hi, I'm Ashley. I work for Kimberly Clark. It's actually two questions and I want you to all answer this. You're not allowed to say 50-50. What runs the business, planning or execution? Sherry? That is a very good one. Execution. Derek? Planning. Execution. I don't know if you all saw where I was going with that. Um, You've split it 50-50. So I think from the planning and execution standpoint, I would then like to ask Derek. So you think that marketing is more planning-based than execution-based? I would say that's my guess. I think if you get planning right as a marketing function, you'll execute better. There's so many things that get in the way <laughs> between planning and execution. Yeah. And that, that's why it's a hard, tough, tough yeah. one for me coming from marketing, you, even in category strategy. with that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, if you don't execute something, you got nothing. All the strategy in the world's not worth nothing until you execute. Yes, you can execute some wrong stuff for sure, but I'd still take, you know, three quarters of your execution over 100% of your strategy and none of the other. So it's, it's a tough one. But if it's one or the other, that's the one for me. Great question. My perspective on that. Yeah. I think execution without planning could be chaotic. That wasn't the question. (laughs) (laughs) Agree? (laughs) Whereas the other way around, you've got a better chance. Some great questions. I'll uh, I'll mull over which the best one was before I award. We'll do that once we vote, but um, closing statements. So uh, final chance panel to convince the audience who does run the business. We'll start start with James and work back away this time. So uh, James. Thank you. Uh, I knew this would be a tough gig. Finance is all about working with the rest of the rest of the company, all the different departments, creating the practicalities to go with the passion. As I said before, it's all about the peas, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stick with that. I, I can't really argue with what AI gave me for my first statement, but I think it's been really interesting just listening to the level of diverse questions and answers across um, the panel, and I still stand by. You can't have one function run the business. You've got to work together. That said, if you don't have any P's to count, then it doesn't really matter. Um, (laughs) The other thing though is what's really clear is this need to balance kind of longer term planning into action. And I still argue that there's very few functions that actually get to deliver end-to-end like sales do in terms of being part of the upfront vision through to then how you make it work. And I think that Shree made a really, really good point, which is when you think about the triple win, that is critical because nothing actually happens without consumer, shopper and retailer. But I'd argue that sales are still the gateway to actually enable that when you think about the conduit between that triple win. Thanks, Katie. Derek? A bit like Katie, I'll start with the, you know, in all honesty, like having all functions you know, working together is the most integral part of any business. Really championing marketing, you know, end of the day, marketing is primarily responsible for building brand desire and attracting, recruiting and making consumers aware of your brand and considering your brand. And without those consumers and a strong brand, then you don't get sales, you don't have a strong P&L and you don't have the data to be able to leverage. So, got no you know, peas. But no peas, that's right. <laughs> okay, and Cherie, finally, you have last statement. I stand by the category view. 
You can sell lots of stuff and not make any money. You can lo- write lots of strategy and create lots of products, communication, etc. But at the end of the day, if you don't get it through the gatekeepers, it's not going to make a difference. And you can count all the peas or beans that you like. But if you haven't got people that have actually made them happen, you again, have nothing to count. And so whilst category may not be personally responsible for creating, doing those things, they are best placed and we are best placed to look at the triple win and be thinking about making sure that we can make sure all of these things come to fruition in the right way with the retailer. I think that's why we're the most powerful function. Thank you, panel. Mm. So now's the time. Let's find out who does run the business. Uh, so it's going to be a short hands. There's nothing technical about this. Um, so those in the podcast, I'll try and give you some indication of how the vote is going. So who thinks from James's uh, presentation uh, tonight that finance runs the business? Let's do a show of hands. Seven, I think. James, that may not win. I think I'll have to reach deep into my pockets and buy yeah, a few drinks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, who, for a show of hands, and uh, I saw the finance guys putting two hands up back there. Was, uh, <laughs> very clever accounting. Um, uh, who thinks that uh, from Katie's presentation and commentary tonight that sales runs the business? Mm-hmm. 20 and the bar staff as well. Look at that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 22, 722. And from uh, Derek's presentation tonight, who thinks that marketing runs the business? 19. No. Oh, it's close. <laughs> and finally, perhaps a dark horse in the race, I'm not sure. Who thinks that from Cherie's presentation that category runs the business? Ooh. Ooh. You can't vote twice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I, I actually count 24. Count Ooh. it down because I've got something with twice. <laughs> 23 category it is that runs the business. Congratulations. Well done, well done. Very long time since I got a trophy for anything. Thank you. I want a photograph of that in, in the Ferrero boardroom tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's been really, really good fun. I hope you, uh, hope you've all enjoyed it. A couple of thank yous once again to Kampai, to the bar staff. Brilliant. Well done, guys. Awesome. Uh, to our friends at Pro Podcast for, uh, recording tonight. See how it goes when it comes out. To, uh, Amelia, who's our lead marketing recruiter and event manager for tonight at AXR. Thanks, Amelia. So an amazing uh, panel for uh, putting up with uh, such tough questions, guys. But, uh, um, so thanks to the panel. And to you all for coming. Thank you for you and your business for buying tickets. Uh, proceeds go to Black Dog. Um, so a great charity. So that's uh, awesome. Thank you for coming. And one final thing, unless I've missed anything, which is the best question of the night. And there's a couple of absolute crackers. But Diogo from, from Lint, congratulations. Thanks again, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from AXR Recruitment and Search. We're passionate about helping you get the most out of your sales and marketing career. Keep listening as we bring you more career insights and advice from Australia's top sales and marketing leaders. You just can't get this career advice anywhere else. My name is Mike Dixon. See you next time on Your Future in Sales and Marketing.